0: Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, welcome back to the podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to do more movie reviews. My last podcast was movie reviews, and that format seemed to go over well with listeners, so we'll try that again and do some movie reviews here. I also intend to post uh, trailers for each of these three movies that I'll talk about, and I'll do that on my website when I post the, uh, the actual uh, post for, this, uh, for this, um, this podcast so you can see those trailers there. Sometimes it's nice just to see a trailer. Even if you've already heard a little bit about the movie, you already kind of know what to expect. You already uh, have a general idea of what it's about. It's nice to see a trailer because you can experience the film a little bit more visually than just uh, through hearing The three movies that we're going to talk about are Good People from 2014, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, a Spanish movie from 2016, and the very, very impressive uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, a film that's out now in theaters. Very, very effective psychological horror film. And we'll save that one for last. We'll save that one for last because that one is going to take a little bit more time than the others to go through. So let's start out here with Good People. This is a film that came out in 2014 and directed by Henrik Ruben Genz, G-E-N-Z. And it stars Kate Hudson, James Franco, and the great actor Tom Wilkinson. In this movie, let's first start out by saying this movie is nothing special. It's nothing earth-shattering. It's nothing that's ever going to rock the world of uh, artistry but it's a it's a good movie it's a good little movie well worth the entertaining time that you spend in watching it and it deals with a premise that we often see in noir films it's the the theme of the innocent innocent couple who stumble upon ill-gotten gains of others and what what bad things happen to them after that they stumble upon a stash of money that it, are the proceeds of criminal activity, and where things go from there. The movie starts out with this American couple living in London. It uh, the the backstory to that is uh, the the uh, the male lead played by James Franco I guess had some sort of problems back in the states, and to get away. Oh, actually the um, the the wife played by Kate Hudson had a miscarriage I guess back in the states, and so they they move to London to try to fix up. James Franco's mother's house. That's the that's the premise here. But the movie opens with a very uh, violent robbery. Some uh, some London gangsters rob a uh, a nightclub, and things don't go very well, and uh, violence comes out of it. And uh, what ends up happening out of that is the money taken from the robbery finds its way into the the apartment of one of the perpetrators and this is a guy who's a tenant of uh, kate hudson and and james franco and this guy dies and they have to clear him out of the apartment the two of them the couple clears him and his things out of the apartment and when they do that when they are in the process of doing that they come upon this stash of cash and of course this then presents them with the the classic moral conundrum what do you do do you turn in the money do you turn in the money? Do you call the police or do you try to keep a little bit keep a little bit of it for yourself or do you try to keep all of it for yourself? Do you try to lie low? See if the heat will blow over and then see if you can spend the banknotes and to see if you're home free. So this is the this is the moral conundrum. And as you would expect in every just like in every noir film, the best intentions, the best of intentions of the protagonists always ends up producing bad results and this is a very very good example of that. So it's a it's a very good movie. Again, there's nothing really earth-shattering here. It's a taut little uh, noir crime drama. But you know, I'm at the point now with movies where even if a movie is not that great, even if it's not anything to write home about, that doesn't really matter to me because sometimes it's nice just to watch a movie just to see Uh, Some nice faces, to see some nice acting, some good acting, to see some uh, uh, interesting scenes, some nice scenery. I mean, sometimes it's nice, you know, especially when movies are set in Europe, it's nice just to see the city. And I know that sounds. I don't know, maybe like uh, seeing movies for the wrong reason, but I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to deny that sometimes I'll see a movie that's set in Paris, just to, because I like to see Paris. I like to see the streets. I like to see the monuments. I like to see the landmarks. And same thing with London. You know, I've been to London a few times. It's nice to see cars drive around London. It's nice to see them hit the major monuments and say, eh, "I remember that. I remember when I was there. It's very nice, very nice. Yeah, same thing in New York City. You know, it's nice to see movies set in places that you've been at sometimes. So, nothing really Academy Award winning here, but that's okay. This movie is still worth seeing. It's still worth it. And it delivers, uh, it does everything that it sets out to do. It delivers on its promises. So, you might want to check that out. Alright, the next movie we're going to talk about is a Spanish film. And its title in its English release, or its release its release in the English-speaking world, was Smoke and Mirrors. Smoke and Mirrors, and it's from 2016. The original title was um, The Man of a Thousand Faces, and in Spanish, apparently, it's uh, El Hombre de las Mil Caras. El Hombre de las Mil Caras. And this m- movie was directed by the director Alberto Rodriguez, And it stars Jose Coronado and Eduardo Fernandez. And this movie is one of those might-have-beens. It's one of those great might-have-beens. And what I mean by that is it probably sounded like a promising project when it was being first um, written or explored or story-paneled out. But it just doesn't come together. It falls very, very flat. And you're left with the feeling of, what the hell did I just watch here? What what was, what was this movie all about? Now, apparently, this movie is supposed to be based on some sort of true story. On some guy who fooled an entire country. Some guy who uh, was some sort of intriguing imposter type character. Who scammed various different people and uh, did this and did that but you know that may all be true but at the end of the day you've got to have a compelling storyline you can't just rely on uh just uh, a lot of headlines from uh, you know f- from the news people want to see something more than that now the basic plot here is supposed to be sort of this act of revenge by someone who used to work for the Spanish government and how he kind of scams everybody. Uh, the but the the uh, the basic plot is: you you've got a guy who is an ex-secret agent for the Spanish government, and he's framed by his government, and he has to leave. And everything go, everything goes to hell for him. And eventually, he receives a uh, you know he's visited by a, a powerful Spanish police commissioner who uh you know offers to to give him some money to safeguard some money that, that 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 he is a police commissioner embezzled when he was on the job so that's the basic outlines here of the story and i think the director wanted to make this movie sort of a clever kind of a Sort of an Ocean's Eleven story of international intrigue where you had witty exchanges between various principals and you had interesting international locations. And it just doesn't come off that way. What you really have at the end of the day is you've got a bunch of middle aged to elderly Spanish guys passing around briefcases to each other full of money in hotel rooms, in restaurants, uh, old guys exchanging envelopes. And and I think that's a good analogy. Old guys exchanging envelopes and briefcases in various different settings in Spain and in different cities of Europe. And that, my friends, does not a movie make. You've got to have more than that. And I think that this... Project may have started out with the best of intentions, but it just doesn't gel. And you can see that, th- that there's there's some ambition here. You know, the the director has a voiceover by the main character who tries to explain to us what he's doing, and then you've got these different intercutted uh, intercutting of various scenes where money is being passed around, and the director presents all this stuff like it's supposed to be really important we're supposed to really care about all this stuff but at the end of the day i just didn't care i had i i couldn't could not have cared less and what's even worse is you've got no characters you've got very little action you've got no characters that you care about there's no really women that have any role in this movie not that not that that's a necessity or anything but there's nothing to kind of soften the the effect of a bunch of guys chain smoking cigarettes and cigars and passing money around—it just looks, it looks pathetic. Really, is what it what it looks like. And I'm sorry, but this is uh, a movie that I'm not going to be able to recommend. See it if you must. If you really like this sort of thing, fine. But I have to say that uh, this was a big disappointment. All right. And this next movie, though, is no disappointment. In fact, this is one of the best horror films I've seen in a long, long time. And this is none other than uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is in theaters now, in select art house theaters now. The director here is Yorgos Lanthimos, a Greek director. And I'm going to try to explain the basic plot of this movie without revealing too much of the details, and then try to explain to you why I think it's so good. But this is a, a shattering and truly uh, unnerving horror movie that feels like a, a nightmare that you're trapped in that you just can't get out of. And this is just a very, very impressive movie. This this director made a very good movie some years back that I saw that really made an impression on me. And I knew this guy was capable of great things when I first saw his movie. He, he made a movie called Dogtooth, Dog Tooth, which was a very, very perverse an odd movie if you if you get a chance, you should try to see that too. It's about a movie about the general premise here it's a a Greek family where the the parents actually isolate their children from the entire world and bring them up in total isolation and ignorance of the entire world and When I say isolation, I mean literal isolation. They are not allowed even to interact with the outside world in any way uh, beyond what they can control so they feed them all these stories about how there are you know airplanes are actual flying dragons and cats are you know poisonous toads and it it's it's a, it's a very it succeeds on many many levels on on uh, drama dramatic levels and also on philosophical levels but a very very good movie very disturbing film uh, as well so this guy uh, Yorgos Lanthimos this guy must have a very um let's just say, a very expansive sense of, of, um, uh, of what good plotting is. This guy has done his homework. He Obviously, he knows, uh, he knows a lot about Greek literature and history, and this guy is able to bring those things to bear. Uh, but The Killing of a Sacred Deer, let's first talk about this title, this odd, very odd title. And this, this movie, just so we can talk a little bit about the cast, stars uh, Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, Yes, these actors are still around. They're still making movies, thank God. And uh, even Alicia Silverstone, if you remember her from the 1990s, she's still around and she has a small part in this movie. Um, and the title, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, is a reference is a, a reference to, to classical literature. And um, those of you who might know this reference, uh, when... When Agamemnon was organizing his band of um, Argives, of Greeks, to go to Troy to uh, make war against the Trojans, he was told by the gods that he had to sacrifice something in order to get the right winds uh, that he desired. And they, they told him to sacrifice his daughter. And he was prepared to do that, but before he could do that, the gods transformed the daughter into a deer, so he killed. That's the, the killing of a sacred deer. So that's that's where the the origin, the literary origin of the title comes from. But this is one of those movies where it's it's all about the scenes and the acting. This is the general setup of the plot. The plot is what we do. We have is we have a a, a comfortable, a well-off, middle-aged cardiologist, played. Very well by Colin Farrell. And he's has his uh upper middle class wife Nicole Kidman, their two uh their two children, a, a, a daughter and a son. And the movie starts out where you see this this doctor befriending this young teenage boy in a very odd way, and no explanation is given at the beginning for this. We don't know really what the purpose or what the origin of all this is. So the director is able to play on our sense of unease right off the bat. So the director uh, puts, right away puts us on edge. He puts us off our balance. He sets us, sets us ill at ease about this whole thing because you're watching this doctor meet this kid in cafeterias and cafes, and he's giving him gifts, and you were saying, hey, what, what the hell's going on here? You're thinking, to your, you're thinking the worst. Let's face it. You're, you're thinking the worst. Based on the headlines we see of the the perversities that are out there, you immediately jump to the worst conclusions. Um, of course, what's great about this movie is the the it, it turns out to be even more demented than, than we could ever ever have imagined. But I'll get to that here in a minute. So he's befriending this kid, and it it comes out it turns out that the cardiologist had a patient sometime uh, sometime uh, previous who died on the operating table. And it turns out that uh, the Colin Farrell character, the doctor, had had a couple drinks before the operation. And so there's a question of whether he had any contributory negligence that contributed to this man's death on the operating table. All right, so that's the general setup. So I guess out of a, out of a sense of guilt, out of a sense of guilt and, and obligation, he somehow tries to make amends by befriending this kid and by bringing him into his family circle about inviting him over the house for dinner and and somehow um trying to get this kid some sort of uh, stability in his life because he's he's the he's the son of a a single mother and you know all of this sounds so routine but you just have to see the way these characters talk everyone in this movie talks like they have some sort of weird autistic impediment everyone is a aspie Everybody is weird. There's just something really off about all these characters. They're all strange. They're all very, very strange. Everyone in this movie is weird. But not in such an overt way that you can really put your finger on it. It's just a vague sense of unease. You're surrounded by a very, very vague sense of unease that gets worse and worse. And this is really the mark of a a master of horror. Because horror is one of the emotions that's the most difficult for a director or a writer to produce in an audience. It's difficult. It takes effort. You've got to go about it gradually. You've got to build it gradually and you've got to build it by using familiar themes in unfamiliar ways. And that's what uh, director Lanthimos does so well here. Does so well. I can't say enough good things about the, the directing of this movie. So eventually this is what happens. And I don't, I don't think it's, I don't need to, I'm not revealing anything by telling you this, but the what ends up happening is we find out that this kid is some sort of, I don't even know what you'd call him, a witch doctor or some sort of, he has some sort of occult power. And apparently he puts the question, he puts the question to the doctor. He says, look, you were responsible for the death of one of my family members, so now to even things out one of your family members are is going to have to die but i'm not going to be the one to decide that i'm not going to be the one to decide that you're going to have to uh do that you're going to have to kill one of your own family members and this is what's going to happen all your wife and your two kids are going to become paralyzed and then they're going to then they're going to start to bleed from the eyes and then they're going to be dead so you know unless you execute one of your own family members your whole family is going, going to die and you know I, I can't tell you just how weird this is when this kid says this because he says it in such a way that it's almost like you know he's eating a sandwich or something and he says oh you know, he just says all this in a very rapid way and then, then he says something like hey can you pass the salt or something so it's, it's a it's there's just a real insidious sense of of evil that comes across, and that's all I'm going to say about the plot. It just goes down from there, or gets more and more involved from there. And uh, this uh, movie, man, it, like I said, it's a. It feels like a nightmare. It feels like a nightmare. And the uh, I, I was trying to look up the name of the actor who plays the kid, and I think his his name is Barry Keegan. Uh, K e. Uh, it's spelled. The last name is spelled K e o g h a n. So I'm assuming it's Keegan. I'm not. I'm not uh, positive about that, but I think it is. And uh, you know, I don't know the origin of this actor. I don't. I don't know if he's uh, American or, or British or Australian or w- whatever his nationality is. But this kid does a fantastic job because he just exudes uh, weirdness and and a a sinister sinister aura in a way that really has to be seen to be believed. He's like a modern. A modern Damien from The Omen, but whereas kids in the seventies were not sort of maybe as autistic as they are now. <laughs> it sounds horrible to say that, but maybe just the the years and years of social media and uh, Ritalin and uh, the uh, hormones in the water have, have just changed people. But this this is a Damien for the new the new era, the new millennia. This kid is just uh, really something else. So, if you get a chance, try to see this movie. I was lucky enough to see it in a theater I saw it just last weekend, and uh, I would uh, strongly recommend. A-, a must-see for fans of horror, for fans of horror, especially for good horror. This is the kind of movie that Stephen King would really appreciate, would really appreciate. So that will wrap up the reviews here in this podcast. I will post the uh, trailers of each of these movies on my site. So you can go to qcurtius.com and check that out and see those trailers. But um, yeah, so so two good ones, one not so good one this week. And until next time, we will um, keep the fires burning. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.